Hello and welcome to SimCast, the higher education simulation podcast. My name's Tony Jeremy. I'm the academic lead for simulation-based education at UEA Norwich. Hi, I'm Lawrence Hill and I'm the chair of the simulation group at UEA Norwich. A very warm welcome to this SimCast. In this SimCast, episode five, we're looking at the UEA debriefing model. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be discussing the creation of a debriefing model that we have here at UEA uh, for new academic simulation instructors. If you like this video, please give us a like. And equally so, if you don't like it, give us a dislike, but let us know in the comments why, because we always want to improve. Please remember to subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell to keep up to date with all things sim related. Okay, let's get started then. So I think we both agree that when it's done well, effective debriefing can lead to really insightful discussion, reflective learning and kind of deep, profound achievement in a kind of simulation setting. When it's done badly, debriefing really can be a desperately uncomfortable and achingly awful experience. It can be it can be a bit of a car crash, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it, it can be really bad. So the challenge is, well, the challenge is doing debriefing well. Um, the challenge is getting it right and doing it right. And it's, it's a complex skill, really. Doing it well is, is a really challenging socio-psycho communication skills it is isn't it it's like an advanced communication skill yeah. and it because it, it requires not only this facilitation of an of a, a learning conversation but also the kind of recollection of events that took place and the kind of organization of thoughts and ideas into a structure that feels like it's a kind of comfortable nurturing environment where people can mm. express their vulnerability so there are debrief tools which help people so that they can debrief effectively. Yeah. And there are lots of different tools out there, aren't there? We've there's got loads, yeah. Diamond debriefing, there's sale, there's uh, Pearl, sorry. There's there's all sorts of different types of debriefing tools. But we've designed our own. We have designed our own. But actually, if you've got a debriefing tool that you've used and you think is particularly effective, just give us a chuck at a, a comment below just now, just to let us know which one you use and why. It'd be great to hear what kind of diversity of tools are being used out there. Um, but yeah, we designed our own, didn't we? So talk us through that design process, Tony. So yeah, I, 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 f I felt the need that we needed to design a debrief tool for the specific group of individuals within our school who were going to be using debriefing in simulation. I was very conscious that we have, albeit very experienced academic staff who've got clinical backgrounds, a lot of them are new to debriefing simulation. And so I kind of had some design goals in mind. Mm -hmm. I want to try and promote learner engagement. Uh, and I wanted it to be quite simple to use. Yeah, I wanted it to be grab and go. And I wanted, you know, to be able to use this debrief model effectively actually during a simulation. So I wanted it to be usable. Yeah, it's got to be, it had to be ergonomic. Yeah. And so it had to sort of be, you know, look like intuitive in its, in its kind of flow as well. That was one of the things you were talking to me before about when you yeah. wanted to put it together. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I, I'm quite a big advocate of uh, color coding as well. Mm. I, it works quite well with me. So I, I had some initial thoughts and ideas about having it sort of color coded. Mm. And I thought, well, I'll use a rag system, red, amber, green system. We've got lots of academics who've had 
previous clinical backgrounds in the NHS. We know the NHS love a red, amber, green system. Yep. So I thought, why not use that as a starter for 10? And it actually evolved from that and, and became almost like a, the, the central ethos of what the, the debriefing model is all about. Yeah, because there is some quite, quite nice sort of philosophical thought kind of woven into it, which there's, I really There's symbolism like. and metaphor. Yeah, yeah there absolutely. is. I, I love it. And, you know, um, I, I love the, the transition from red in the kind of review section, which is kind of like often where learners are feeling that they're kind of most sort of vulnerable and heated and kind of, you know, where there's a big feelings that need to be addressed. And then the kind of analysis phase where, you know, it's in the kind of amber zone where actually we're, we're conscious that there's still these big feelings, but we're transitioning towards yeah. a kind of a constructive conversation or, a you know, a growth model. And then when we get into the green, love the alliteration of growth and green. And actually at that point there, it's sort of the sort of this sort of calm, you know, peaceful serenity serenity of what are we taking away how are <laughs> we going to how are we going to get that's this? the hope anyway yeah. that we, we, like we get to the analysis uh, the the growth section and then we've achieved all we wanted to but so we actually it, we've actually labeled each section review analysis and growth even, even that we've gone with with kind of the rag system yeah exactly and and there's more symbolism isn't there you you we you produced this on an a4 sheet and then laminated it for a yeah. good reason so i definitely wanted it to be grab and go so i've got a copy here and it's uh, it's just a, a PDF document that you can print off, and then the idea is that you laminate it, and on the back, so on one side is a is a debriefing tool itself, yeah, and on the other side is a facilitator's notes, and the idea is that you can then get a whiteboard mar- whiteboard marker, mm. write down some notes, and, and and I've given some kind of little ideas or thoughts what you might want to write down so critical events to address areas of good performance learners reactions and feelings which you might want to then capture Mm. during the debrief itself and and then other notes when i've when i've used it i've i've more often than not used it chronologically as well like i'll I'll use it and i'll kind of it'll be like you know start and finish of the simulation sort of so So maybe timeline of events and those kind of things yeah so that i can kind of help orientate the learners to that afterwards but, but the important thing about it being laminated is that you can then wipe mm. the slate clean. Because, you know, I'm really conscious that what is discussed during a debrief for simulation activity, it, 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 it will change with every different simulation event. But also it's sacred to that event. Yep. You know, what's discussed within these four walls, particularly if we're looking at individuals performances is sacred to that event so yeah that met that that symbolism being able to wipe it clean i think is really important. that's really nice and because it, it feeds into you know as we've discussed previously in a, in a in a podcast about psychological safety or safety in simulation that we know that th- as a learning environment it's profoundly unsafe in a lot of ways mm. because people feel really vulnerable and they feel judged so knowing that what happens in the simulation stays in the simulation and what happens in the debrief is stays in the debrief yeah, is yeah. actually a really nice thought. And if you can kind of engender that in students and to know that, you know, nothing's been taken away from this simulation. There's no assessment component. There's no marks associated that are leaving this room. The slate is wiped clean is a really nice kind of metaphorical way yeah. of leaving that behind. One of the things as well that we have in our debrief rooms is we've got whiteboards up. So I've also laminated a review analysis growth, again, red, amber green to put on the whiteboards to again encourage those those physical spaces to be part of that debrief as well so whilst it i found that incredibly useful i have to say it was kind of an afterthought but again i found it really useful myself why it's the reason it's really useful for me is because we're doing simulation involving learners in a remote capacity so in those debriefing and briefing spaces we're streaming the simulation activity that's happening in other rooms and sometimes 
you've got a relatively large number of learners in there who are who are, who are trying you're trying to engage in the debrief and then just sort of standing up and asking people like t- like literally turning your back on them and saying right just get your thoughts out and let me let me hear them capturing them under the board under those headings is a really useful way of sparking conversation mm, yeah yeah absolutely so should we get into the the, the body of the the debriefing model then so under okay. review under the under the red section of the of the debrief model what happens under review so to start with, what I like to do is to review initial reactions or feelings. Mm. I think it's really, really important. You've just been in a simulation environment, potentially quite charged, depending on what happened. So to be able to get initial thoughts and reactions of your learners, I think is quite powerful. Yeah. What I quite, what I like to do, particularly with smaller, more manageable groups, is, is perhaps get a reaction from everyone, because then it's an, an opening gambit into the conversation, rather than expecting someone to then first have their entry into the conversation deep into the analysis section. Yeah, it gets everyone involved early doors, doesn't it? Yeah. Everyone hears their voice in the room. So the the challenge with this, though, is when you ask someone, okay, I want some initial thoughts, feelings and reactions, learners automatically go into self-analysis mode. Always. It's always always an evaluation comment, isn't it? It's always like, yeah, I, I... or if you ask somebody else, so, so you know, tell me, and they're like, "Oh, I think that went quite well." Yeah, I think that went quite well. Yeah, I think that went quite well. And you, we don't, we, mm, where do yeah. we go from there? Yeah, yeah. And so what you're doing is inadvertently going straight into the analysis section, and regardless with the focus of, on evaluation as well, yeah. which isn't necessarily what we want. And regardless of what debrief model you end up choosing, most of them have the same principles, where there is a kind of a description of events that have happened. You then move into an analysis section and then you take away learning from that afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we have that in this model. It's just kind of rebadged and rebranded a mm. little bit. So initial reactions and, and thoughts and feelings. So one of the ways I've tried to get around that is I will say um, in one word, sum up the simulation experience for you. Mm. Because I find otherwise people, again, just become self-critical. And it works really well because... They have to actively think about that. If if you ask them, okay, how was that for you? They'll straight away start to be go into self-analysis and mm-hmm. evaluation mode. If you say in one word, sum up that simulation experience for you, they have to think about it. Yeah. It's a cognitive challenge. I know it's yeah. only one word. You're really, you're really forcing people to actively engage with their experience and to, and to consciously reflect on on it and to try and summarize and it's probably impossible right to summarize but actually, the whole experience the, the, in, the, the, in the one word, word. That they give you is really really powerful for yep. you as a simulation because it tells you what is most important to them yeah. about it and then that it might be complex or challenging or terrifying or terrible or bewildering or confusing yeah. and all or of those are, are really really useful because you can come back to them as a facilitator maybe not straight away initially but it's particularly with ones which have negative connotations, mm. you have to go back and unpack them. Mm. So again, being able to then flip the the guide over and write those down mm. so that you can come back to them is really, really important. But this is what we mean about it being a kind of an advanced communication. It'd be really interesting to hear actually from the people listening to this pod, what word or what turn of phrase have you used yeah. to, to initiate that debrief? How do you get it going? What's your opening gambit? What's your opening gambit? Exactly. We'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a comment. So the other thing that's really important to review is, of course, the learning outcomes. Yes. Once we've established 
however one is doing or feeling after that simulation, going back to what it was that we were trying to achieve is kind of really important. Yeah. So we'd, we'd say something along the lines of, okay, we're just going to go back to what the intended learning outcomes for this session is just to review them. They might be technical, they might be non-technical outcomes. Mm. And of course, what might have happened in the simulation is some unintended learning outcomes yep. have come. And it really is up to the discretion of the simulation facilitator to then understand what really needs to be unpacked in the analysis section, which comes later, whether you stay on track and go with those intended learning outcomes or whether those unintended learning outcomes were so profound yep. that you just shelve the, the original ideas and then concentrate on the important things that have so unpa- on, been impacted. So on top of trying to both have a constructive conversation and re- remember everything that's happened and organise that, you then also have to be judging as the facilitator what you yeah. think are the most profound moments to hence, be unpacked. Hence why it's such a difficult skill to it, do well. It's why, And it's why a, a model can help to, yeah. to organise your thoughts in that way. The last section of the review is to review the facts. And this is kind of the description of events that happen. And you and I kind of approach this slightly differently, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about what you like to do. Because so it's if I have enough time, because this can take quite a lot of time, I like to go through a chronological timeline of events. Um, one of the reasons I like to do that is so that everyone has a shared mental model of what's happened and it helps give the the group an opportunity if there is a discrepancy for whatever reason there was a there was a delay in administering oxygen no, i don't think that was quite right again particularly for the people who have observed that they might be able to then feed into that as well so that we all come to a sort of a shared conclusion mm. before we then move on to the analysis section mm. but it does take time yeah i'm 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 not as um I mean, I do use that technique. I think it is useful, as you say, but I'm I'm probably more likely to just start to move into the analysis phase and mm. accept the fact that there might be some variation in, yeah. in the kind of perception of experience, uh, we, phenomenologically. And we've, again, we, I think we've both dynamically chosen when to do it and when not yeah. to do it. We've been in and situations. you get a feel for that, don't yeah. you? As 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 an as an instructor you, you, or a facilitator, you just get a feel for when that's when that's useful and when it's not. And like you say, it depends on time. It also depends on the complexity because you could spend, you know, if you run a complex multi-room, multi-profession, multi-patient simulation, you could spend an incredibly long time yeah. trying to establish a timeline that no one would agree on. The, the other thing with going through a timeline timeline of events, the thing that you need to be cautious of as a sim instructor is then going into tutorial mode and yeah. then telling everyone what happened and, mm. and what your thoughts on, on it was, which is what you want to try and avoid. If you've got the luxury of an AV equipment, you know, if, if the session's been recorded, you might want to play that back. I very rarely do that, to be honest with you. Um, I've only really, I can only think about doing it once or twice when a, a learner has specifically requested that we kind mm. of review the tape, if you like. I think, generally speaking, debrief is best when it's facilitated by effective conversation yeah i think it's better live learn through talk that is walter epic uh his his twitter handle is learn through talk i think learn through rewatching video isn't as effective <laughs> cringing it wouldn't, wouldn't you, be as good yeah. a twitter handle either um so we move to analysis yes yes so again if you haven't done so already it's important at this point to revisit those those initial reactions yeah, yeah so exactly. if someone said it was terrible you need to unpack why that was yeah yeah, and that that review stage could be happening quite quickly, couldn't it? I mean, it could be quite quickly into into the analysis phase. 
um, you know, okay, great. Or, or at least you're kind of referring back that to that person's initial thought. Oh yeah. Uh, so you say that the experience was terrible. What exactly do you mean by that? Mm. You know, just it's that those first few opening questions just to try and encourage people to sort of come out of themselves and to kind of explain their feelings a yeah. little bit uh, in all, the context of the learning outcomes. But importantly, we're doing this in the analysis section. It's given the learners an opportunity to perhaps think about that whilst other conversations have been going on. So mm. whilst their initial reaction might have been terrible, again, this is perhaps one of the advantages for talking about a timeline of events. Actually, by the time we've kind of set things out, they might have reconsidered what their initial thoughts and reactions were. Yeah, they might well have done, especially by the time they've heard, of, like you say, everyone else's. So this is the the, the kind of the almost the meat of the mm. of the debrief, really, isn't it? This and, is the bit where you're unpacking yeah, the and things actually, that have taken place. This is the bit which is the most kind of free flowing, and this yeah. is where the skill in the debrief facilitator really needs to come from. You choose now where the conversation needs to go. Mm. But importantly, your role is to guide that conversation rather than lead it. Yeah. And again, this is a particularly difficult skill to do, particularly if you're an academic who's used to standing at the front of a, a lecture theatre or a seminar room and teach two people. Yeah. Taking that step back and guiding that conversation. So again, my advice would be go back to the learning outcomes if you're stumped. I'd like to talk, spend a little bit of time talking about X, Y, and Z yeah. and just see where the conversation goes. Sometimes you don't even need to do that. You literally you can just sit back and let the learners take the conversation forwards. Yeah, I, 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 a kind of rhetor, rhetor, rhetorical technique that I use in that situation is to go back to the learning outcomes, to state them, and then to say, to what extent and in what ways have we met this learning outcome? Off you go. Away. Yeah, exactly. Over to you. And then you can normally just kind of gauge the reaction and see if, if anyone's looking like they want to speak, just, yeah, yeah, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. And then something that often works quite well is to, and it depends on the level of expertise of the learner. And that's why it's tricky for us sometimes doing simulation with reasonably inexperienced clinicians, first and second year students. Mm. But what works really well with third year students and particularly with with qualified practitioners is just then opening it out to the floor and saying, you know, to what extent have any of you had an experience that resonates with this in your clinical practice? Yeah, I love doing that. I love going back to experiential experiences or experiential learning as, as a vehicle to facilitate the conversation. And often that's what we're doing. You yeah. know, the simulation is just setting up an event to then promote that conversation. Mm. Uh, but really, really powerful conversations often come from people's personal experiences. Yeah, and relating the simulation to clinical or other experiential practice is that abstract conceptualization mm. that Kolb talks about as being critical for um, experiential learning. So getting to that phase and making people see how the things that we've that they've encountered in this simulation relate to the real world and to their future practice then enables that transition towards how are you going to develop and grow yeah 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 so question for you lawrence mm. your role as a facilitator here is to guide the conversation mm. how do you get it back on track if it starts to go off on tangents or how do you deal with a situation where you might have maybe multiple conversations happening simultaneously or maybe disagreement. 
I'm all, I'm all in favour of disagreement. I think for a start, I think it's really important that there is a degree of um, freedom. Yeah. We don't want, it's not about there being one right answer. Often simulation is there to tease out issues of complexity and grey area where there might not be a right answer. So I think that as long as there is more light than heat, I think it's useful. Um, but, w you know, where sometimes you get a very strong voice in an mm -hmm. analysis, you know, that can start to dominate. So that the learner can be quite tricky. The, the person who always talks in, always has points to feedback or talks or answers questions, that kind of things, that, those dominant roles. Yeah, and that can be quite tricky. It can also be really useful. Yeah. As, a, as a facilitator to have that voice and someone who you can know can reliably speak that's not going to be you. But we've got to be mindful we don't want them going into tutorial mode either yeah. uh, and starting to kind of get too, I don't know, too dominant in the discussion because we want to involve all the learners if possible. Yeah. Tutorial mode is interesting, isn't it? It's hard to not go into tutorial mode, particularly when you want to provide insights is there a place for micro-teaching in, in a debrief? I think it depends. I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve in the simulation. And I think it depends on the level of experience and expertise of mm. the learners. I think you have to really be conscious if you're going to do it. Yeah. Of when to stop, when you've gone too far. And that, again, is one of the, and we've mentioned this in the previous podcast, the, the importance uh, and usefulness of co-debriefing. Yeah. I think to some extent, with some groups of learners, sometimes... And a degree of tutorial mode is unavoidable. Um, but tutorial mode is one of the four horsemen of the debrief <laughs> apocalypse. Which we're going to talk about in another episode. Which we're definitely going to talk about on another episode. Um, and, you know, those kind of listening to this podcast will know that those, there are those horsemen of the of the debrief apocalypse that do tend to turn up. <laughs> um, you know, for me, there, there's tutorial mode um, and there's definitely the yes man uh, or the yes person um, facilitator who thinks that everything's fantastic. And I think that's something that we need to be mindful of. But if you've got a personal penchant or interest in an, an element of what, what can derail a debrief, it'd be really interesting to hear what you think yeah. your horseman of the, the what, debrief What are the other apocalypse. two horsemen that you think are? We've, yeah. we've given you two. What are the other two horsemen of the, the debrief apocalypse, which yeah, we, we'll, we'll talk about in another episode? We've got our ideas, <laughs> but we'd love to hear what other people think as well. So at some point in a debrief, we have to stop analysing and yeah. we have to move towards yeah, what and, people are going to take away. So you might be bound by time. Yeah. It might feel like things come to a natural conclusion. And again, your role as a facilitator is to, is to guide that conversation. Mm -hmm. So again, with multiple conversations, I, I often think about it like you're the chair of a meeting. Yeah. So you might have to command some you know authority well, yeah, or yeah or curate yeah you know, curate you, you, the, you, okay we're going to come to you in a minute i'm just going to hear what this person has to say yeah, first exactly it, it needs it needs a narrative you know the the the, the simulation event needs a storyline that, that comes through it and we need to get to the final chapter of the story yeah. otherwise the whole middle section of the story but won't i always mean think anything. about in a positive way you know if you're generating multiple conversations simultaneously it means the sim's gone well yeah, yeah. in one way or another yeah. even if it's gone badly because yeah. it's generated conversation yeah but yeah, we need to be able to focus so that we can all learn from it. But yeah, we, we transition now from analysis into growth. Actually, one thing I want to, want to add before that is if we do need to address any critical areas, 
We really mm. like the use of advocacy with inquiry. Yeah, no, thank you. That's an important point. So don't be afraid to transition back to analysis. If you come to an important <laughs> learning point and you need to go back to analyse something, uh, I think that's important too. But yeah, using in, it, the debrief uh, and particularly the analysis is really important for picking up those those safety critical or those important moments. Yes. Yeah. So we'll we'll stick a link to advocacy with inquiry, some papers on that, uh, the work that that Jenny Rud- Rudolph and and, uh, and and people that um, the. Uh, yeah, but debriefing with good judgment. Did you any rule do it? Debriefing with good judgment. Uh, a tool for alerting your learner group that something has happened that needs to be discussed, but without doing so in a kind of critical or negative yeah. manner. Yeah. So I, I noticed actually, Tony, just then when you were um, searching for the word debriefing <laughs> with good judgment, no, you, you, you appeared to be stumbling. What was going through your mind there? Panic, sheer panic. <laughs> it's an example of of how you can of how you can enable your 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 learners in your group to to, to kind of get over that little kind of hurdle yeah, and, and to make them, that promote that self reflection as well and to make I, the point. I used to only use it with addressing kind of critical areas that went wrong. I've started to use it more now to engage reflective conversation on areas of good performance as yeah. well. It works just as well for that. I think that's really important from a safety two perspective yeah. to, to to think about what goes well and why. As a model of and understanding, what can you do to make it even better. Yeah, as a model of understanding why things occasionally sometimes go wrong. So yeah, I'm all in favour of that. Okay, so we then move to the last section, the nice green, everything's gone well section. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. into growth. Into growth. So it, there's no point doing a sim session unless you're going to take something away from it. Yeah. How is it going to develop and shape your practice moving forwards? So this is an opportunity for you, opportunity for you as a facilitator to then have those sort of final conversations of the debrief. Mm. How, what are you going to take away from this? Mm. How is it going to shape your practice moving forwards? And uh, it might even be how you're going to transition to the next simulation about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, that's right. And I think you can approach this in lots of different ways. And I think sometimes the line between analysis and growth is a little bit blurry. As I said, you know, you might ask people to what extent and in what ways they've met these learning outcomes. You could use that as part of growth or as part of analysis, mm. to be honest. Mm. It, it could work in either group, depending on how you phrase it. Um, a technique that I like to use, again, a bit like your idea about kind of going around and asking for the initial word that start, that, start, that that springs to mind I'll, I'll just kind of say to people, right, okay, just want everyone just to give a second and have a think. What is your takeaway yeah, learning like point from well. this sim? And then just kind of go around. And that's just really useful. And you just, okay, great, thanks very much. You know, was that the intended learning outcomes? Maybe, maybe not. And where it's not often, I think it's the, the, the growth element is more profound. But invol- again, involving everyone is really, really powerful. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's underestimated. Mm-hmm. You know, th- th- I'm sure there are lots of learners, particularly those quiet ones, who would really appreciate the fact that you've come around. They might not like it at the time because you're putting them on the spot, mm. but you're involving them. And mm. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, so so, so that, that, that comment is, is, is nice. <clears throat> uh, but then also just coming back to those learning outcomes and saying, you know, because sometimes it doesn't go according to plan or whatever mm. good looks like in the simulation, but that doesn't mean that the learning outcomes haven't been met through yeah. debr- de- through debrief. Yeah. And so sometimes returning to them and saying, you know, well, we 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 met this this outcome really through the really great discussion that we had about this element that went wrong in the in the simulation. Uh, and so I think that's important too that you, you learners can go away feeling like they've hit the learning outcomes even if they their sort of evaluation of their performance wasn't very good initially. And I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. 
And of course, the last thing to do is to close the session. Absolutely. With clarity. Yes. With purpose, so that we can move on to the next one. And I think that feels like a very good time to bring start to bring this one to a close. Yeah, it feels like this debrief has come to a natural conclusion. It does. So thank you very much for listening in to this episode of uh, SimCast. It's very nice to have you with us and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye.